0: the ANA Master's Circle podcast, I'm Andrew Sommer. Bringing together subject matter experts from across the ANA and industry leaders, this podcast covers the issues that impact marketers in creating a stronger and more sustainable economic future for our brands and the people they serve. Each month, we're focusing on one of the 12 growth points of the ANA Master's Circle. Today's podcast, recorded at the ANA Influencer Marketing Conference, dives into a topic of media and supply chain. Founder and CEO of Reset Digital, Charles Cantu, sits down with Ursula Ringham, head of global influencer marketing at SAP, to discuss influencers and the power of storytelling. Well, I am very excited,
1: Ursula, for this conversation. So um, why don't we open by you telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, what brought you here?
2: Sure. No worries. So I'm Ursula Ringham. I'm a head of our global influencer marketing program at SAP. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm someone who fell into high tech at the age of 20, Um, randomly got a job in inside sales at a small company called Adobe. (laughs) At the time I had no idea what hardware or software was. And, um, anyhow, that led to eventually after I graduated from college, um, working at Adobe again, Mm -hmm. and then at Apple, and um, training wheels came off at Apple, right? I was in developer mm-hmm. relations, helping um, you know, companies bring products to market. And then right before Apple took off, I decided to leave and stay at home with kids. And did some things when I was at home, but uh, I was off for about six years, and when I tried to get back into high tech, no one wanted to hire me. Mm. Unbelievable right with my background mm-hmm. and long story short. I had to really take anything I could get and finally one company believed in me And brought me on as a contractor mm-hmm. to test me out see if I'd yep. be good enough. Yeah, and that was SAP oh, And wow. so I started writing customer success stories that led into taking over some social media accounts mm-hmm. And this was almost eight years ago, and I really dug in and learned everything I could about social media mm-hmm. Then it came digital marketing mm-hmm. and then influencer marketing and wow. so I've been in this role almost A year year and a half in the head of Global Influencer Marketing.
1: Wow, that's a great journey, that's a great story. Um, How did your company's influencer marketing program get started and um, what were some of the early learnings that you gleaned from that?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. The official program was started by Misha Gandhi, so a little shout out to her. Mm -hmm. She started it maybe three years ago, but I had been working with influencers unofficially maybe four or five years ago. Mm -hmm, And the idea was that for the small business side we wanted to build awareness about that sap even had products and i started and this is my learning phase right when i'm working with different people and they said oh you've got to talk to this guy brian moran he's like a big influencer in small business i'm like what's all this about and so i started working with him and we created this whole program where we'd have a blogs that would be coming out talking about the latest you know, what's trending in small businesses and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the lessons learned that we had was like, you need to start small and gradually build the program. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see so many people will be like, like I was talking to a gentleman um, after my presentation today, and he was saying, you know, I work for this large company, and they want me to go gangbusters and just start and like the 10 influencers and do all these campaigns. And I said, time out. You know, you're gonna probably fail pretty fast by being overwhelmed, especially like, how big is your team? Mm-hmm. And so start small you know, just, you know, try it out over a quarter or two and then you can go from there. So that's the main lesson because then once you find influencers and content that resonates, Mm -hmm. then you can start to scale.
1: Sure. Sure. And what do you think, um, the biggest misconception is in the industry about influencer marketing? The
2: biggest misconception I see is that it's all around the likes, right? And so, with Instagram taking away the likes, it's really going to challenge us because I think we have this vanity metrics in the B2C side of things where mm-hmm. your worth as an influencer is based on you got a million likes on this one post. In the B2C side of things, um, we're looking more at the quality of the content and yes, it's good to see the impressions and the reach and how many likes, but what we're looking at is, you know, how does this create demand? So How does it lead them to click to an asset that we have? Mm -hmm. And then can that get into our pipeline? And so when we look at it, I'm more interested in that. Mm -hmm. And with our influencers, we don't want them to promote SAP products. It's talking about the business challenges. Mm -hmm. And then, hey, if you have these same business challenges, click here to find out what SAP can do for you. So I think that's the biggest misconception is that, you know, with these likes and vanity metrics, that's not an end all if you don't have them
1: right right how do you how do you vet your influencers how do you know what you're really getting when you when you bring on
2: great question about how you vet your influencers so several things um i have a social presence and i've mm-hmm. been in social media a good solid seven years so i naturally look and see who's out there and i start following them put them on mm-hmm. a watch list or if someone's told me hey check out this influencer and i'll start to just educate myself on the peripheral. Mm-hmm. But then I also have my team'll we'll use a influencer marketing um, uh, CRM kind of tool mm-hmm. and um, we'll put an influencer in there and we'll start looking at their content too. What, how does it resonate? Who are they working with? Do they work with competitors? And so there's products out there that you can use to help you vet sure. the influencer. And then also with our social governance team, they have some tools that I'll give them a list of our influencers and they'll quickly vet them and give me you know what's their sentiment? You know, Mm -hmm. there's different metrics they can use, and they'll come back with a score. Mm -hmm, It's like, mm -hmm. yes, this is good, this is bad. You know, looking at their followers' engagement, because Mm -hmm. that's another thing you have to look at is, they can have a ton of followers, but if no one's engaging, no one's listening, no one's gonna do anything for you. Mm. So we use lots of different tools, but bar none, you need to be in social media, consuming the content to truly understand if this influencer is right for your brand.
1: Got it, that's great. That's great. So, how would you recommend other brands conduct their influencer research? Is this something that they should, you know, seek out external partners, or you know, SAP is a big company with a lot of resources. So what about the
2: other? Well, I wouldn't say we have a lot of resources, right? I think, uh, you know, we try to do things in house mm-hmm. um, for discovery. Definitely in house. Like, you know, I'm. I encourage my team. I want you on social. I want you to interact with the influencers, engage with them, and understand them. Mm-hmm. But you can work with agencies. There's lots of great in- agencies that can help. Mm-hmm. And so agencies can be seen as an extension of your team. So mm-hmm. if you don't, you want to start scaling or maybe you just need some extra help because agencies can not only vet influencers and they sometimes know them themselves because they've yep. built up rapport, but they can help maybe build that asset, whether it's an infographic, a video. They can cut up you know, a video into lots of different shareable assets. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's things like that that we can reach out and have an agency help with Um, you know in-house we do have resources but they're pretty you know busy sure and so that's how we work with different outside agencies
1: maybe you can tell us um, how you would recommend brands conduct influencer research is there something they should be uh, in regard to seeking external partners versus internal partners Uh, you know you guys have more resources perhaps than some of the small brands uh, that are members of the ANA What are your recommendations
2: there? Great question there. It's it's a combination. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've spoken about like, you need to have a presence in social media and be aware of just what's going on. So you should be out there, you should be searching yourself. But then there are tools you can use, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not gonna go off and name different ones because I'm not here to promote that, but there are different tools that you can use for this influencer relations management, right? Mm -hmm, So you mm -hmm. go in there and you put in all your criteria, demographics, um, type of person, age range, all this kind of stuff and topics, right? The topic Mm -hmm. area. And so when you bring that up, it's fantastic. So as our program is growing, like this summer, I did an exercise where I wanted to um, find influencers specifically in Europe and then some in Japan. And -hmm. let me tell you, the Japan B2B side that's a separate like um, podcast we can have. It's fascinating. Mm. But my point is that you can put this in there, your criteria, and then it spits it out. But then you still have to bring the human element that go on a watch list, you want to um, read, watch, listen to everything they create. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's part of using tools out there, the platforms. It's partly yourself. And then there are plenty of agencies that they'll do everything for you, right? They're turnkey. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I always think you have to own the relationship. That brand, you know, if we're reaching out to an influencer to have them collaborate with us, um, I want to know who they are. And right. so you still have to have the human element um, of the brand, sure. not just the agency. The agency should be an extension to uh-huh. help you because maybe you're scaling and you don't have enough resources sure. um, to do that.
1: That's fascinating. We we had a conversation at one point with um, some of the folks at Kroll in regard to that that uh, vetting. And what are your what are your takes on um, the agencies both helping you curate? transact the deal, but also being a part of that, um, inoculation for risk.
2: Hmm. So great question about risk and how you work with influencers and then how agencies come into that. I think the great thing with agencies is they've had the experience, you know, some of these, um, agencies have been in this, like we had the guy up on stage who had been, you know, 20 some years working with influencers. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. agencies can bring that, um, Perspective that you might not have right and they have contracts that they have used over the years and obviously they need to mm. evolve and your legal team Should look at it, but in general agency can help with that oh, And right. that's why I always say an agency should be an extension mm-hmm. uh, But you still own you know the relationship and you know to be honest when we're working with influencers if it is a transactional um, Collaboration I like to be directly involved. Sure. I don't want my agency talking to the influencer because this is like me one-on-one I wanna work with you, Mm. so let's just talk through this and figure out what's gonna be mutually beneficial for
1: both. Oh, I love that, I love that. And um, what traits and qualities should a marketer be looking for when they are looking to collaborate with an influencer?
2: So what traits are we looking for in an influencer? It really depends on the product that you're trying to build awareness about and what that influencer's specialty is. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing is you'll find an influencer that on paper looks amazing. You love reading their blogs and you're like, I'd love to get you to do a video. They don't do video, right? Mm. Maybe they're better at a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they're just better at doing blogging in general and and don't want to do any of that. And so bottom line is they have to be able to tell a good story, right? right? Mm -hmm. And they can do that. They have their strengths and weaknesses just like all of us. And so maybe the story is better told in... um, in a blog form, like one of our influencers, Eric Kavanaugh, he used to be a journalist and he is amazing. He'll take these real world just topics that everyone's interested in and condense it down that it somehow relates to SAP. And you're like, how did he do that without promoting SAP? He's just talking about the business challenges, right? Right. Or we have like a Tamara McCleary, she'll start a blog that's like, I'm on an airplane. I just realized, did I leave my garage door open? (gasps) Thank God I have my phone. I can connect to the Wi-Fi, and at 35,000 feet, I can see the garage door is open and I'm going to click, close it. And then she brings the whole thing of IOT, machine learning, and if you're a business. And so part of it is like the trait, as I said, is being able to tell a story in that medium that you are an expert on, whether Mm -hmm. it's podcast, video, blogging, live stream, whatever it is. So I'm interested in storytelling.
1: Wow. I love that. Left me speechless. That doesn't happen very often. Um, what's the key to successful influencer marketing
2: the key is to actually push the damn button Um, an influencer i work with brian fanzo he kind of coined that phrase and i like you know recycling that because a lot of companies they their stakeholder were here influencer marketing we got to do it and they'll give it to someone and just say you've got to look into it and do it but then they get hesitant they're like oh my gosh this is This is a person I'm working with and I don't know, like I have to vet them and I have to do all this stuff. But you know what? You have to start somewhere Mm. and that's why I say start small. Don't think you have to go and be like, here's 10 influencers, we're going to do these 20 activities in the first quarter and do all this. Build it small. Mm. Let it prove itself and then you can start to scale. Like for example, in 2020, I'm going to be doing some very different things than we're traditionally in B2B and I'm really excited. Maybe a year from now I can come back and and share this because it's going to be very exciting and what I've told my stakeholders, because come June or come May, we have a very large um, uh, conference. And I've said, I'd like to bring this program to that, but let's go to the little events beforehand mm-hmm. and test it out. Yep. Right? And so that's a great example of just pushing the button on something new and different and then testing it out because we're going to learn from it. Sure. I never say there's failures because it's lessons learned, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so that's the number one thing is to have a successful program is just to start it and then be able to learn from, you know, the lessons learned and then reiterate and keep going. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So what direction do you see the industry moving um, next year, 2020, and then, and then beyond that? This is marketing futures, so I have to ask
2: Marketing person. futures. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, so I'd say it's very different in the B2C versus B2B. Right Right now, we've just had Instagram that is saying, nope, there's going to be no more likes. Mm -hmm. Um, Give another thing is, like Twitter has said, there's going to be no political, you know, advertisements. You're Mm -hmm. looking at a shift of, you know, being more conservative, per se, right? Looking at society, vanity metrics and stuff like that. So that's something to watch. But the B2C has kind of spoiled it for B2B. And they're two Mm -hmm. very different markets, two very different audiences, and different tactics of working with influencers. And so even though it's kind of ruined it, I think B2B is going to be, 2020 is going to be the year that you see more B2B influencer marketing programs. Mm. So even they have the B2C side, it might be like waning, people are like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like that mm-hmm. article that was just in the New York Times, I think it was, um, questioning is influencer ma- marketing like declining? I think B2B, it's going to be increasing. Just alone here at this conference with your A members, people are coming up to me going, thank God you were here. I've, you know, it's great to learn, right, from the B2C sure. brands, yep. but they're like, wow, you are doing exactly what we need to do. We have a product that you can't see, you can't feel it, you can't touch it, you can't eat it. How the heck do we work with influencers? So I think 2020 and beyond is about the B2B um, influencer marketing program starting to take off and showing how you can do it correctly. Mm. We're a different audience, but we're not based on the vanity metrics so much. It's right. more about the quality of the content. Is it informing an audience that we want to reach? Because ultimately, our products, uh, you know we want to help the world run better and improve people's lives. And believe it or not, that's, that's our mission statement, mm. but we just need to build that awareness. And so you get real thought leaders who people are following them because they're legit. These are people that might've been at, at a tier one analyst, right? like a big IDC or Gartner that have now gone off on their own and they do have a social following and people right. trust them. It, it's more trust than, say, like the bikini model who's the vanity just on Instagram that looks good. I mean, that's great and there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. But 2020, I think that's how it's gonna change between B2C and B2B.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. What are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion? Yes. Yeah, are from the thought? Bay Area. Well, <laughs> but the thing
2: is, my thing is, of course, And maybe it was where I was raised and how I was raised with my parents where you're inclusive to everyone. But the one thing is, I think in the B2B side, we need to do a better job. Mm. Um, It depends on the company and the products, whatever. But I have a gal, Carmen, on my team. And she came to me and was like, I really want to help the D&I side of our company. Mm. And I said, can we put, like, you have that D&I lens diversity, inclusion lens when we go into projects, Mm -hmm. that we have to have some diversity here, right? And it can't be the same types of people. We need to mix it up because our audiences are from all walks of life Mm -hmm. and different influencers are going to relate to different audiences. We have a huge spectrum. And I'm talking about, I mean, this is all, we're global, all over the world. And you can't have that one same influencer that everyone sees all the time. You need to mix it up. And so Carmen on my team, she's directly involved in, these great organizations that we've been working with, and mm-hmm, on, on the mm-hmm. D&I side, and I'm like, we've got to somehow combine it with like the influencer side and work right. with them. So it's um, it's been fun working with these different organizations from afar. So Carmen's in there working with them, and we're just trying to find that tie-in. But to your answer your question, when you say hire your thoughts in DNI, I'm like, absolutely. We live in a world it takes a village to get anything done, and yeah. we're inclusive to everyone.
1: Right, I love that, and I was doing a consulting project with uh, I forget whom, and it was Brazil diversity and inclusion, which is obviously massively so. The global perspective and lens on that I think is is an eye opener, probably good for some of our listeners to hear that are U.S. only for now that are looking to expand. Um, okay, so this is usually the tough question.
2: <laughs> uh oh, the personal for stuff. everyone.
1: Yeah, um, favorite album of all time.
2: So I'm going to surprise you. Does the Star Wars album count? I know that's not music per se, Mm. but I have to say that Star Wars was a huge, as a storyteller, Star Mm -hmm. Wars was one of those very impactful moments. Um, You know, some of you are younger, maybe listening to this, but we had to stand in line, and you're so excited to see this. Mm -hmm. We'd never seen anything like that, and the storytelling around it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that's all I wanted for my birthday was this damn album of Star Wars. And it was a record, vinyl, Yeah. and I wore that out and I think I memorized everything. And so that didn't quite answer your question. You probably wanted some musical, but I'd say that that made the most impact on me. And that's really funny that I didn't buy it with my own money. My parents got it for me. That was the first one I actually had. Mm-hmm. And then to go on the music side, it's like I like every type of music. It depends on my mood. And, um, you know, I think the tough thing, though, for musicians is, you know, Apple and Spotify and everything, they make it so easy to listen to so many different variety mm. that you're not really going deep into one album per se anymore. You just right. don't. People have like, oh, yeah, I've heard that musician. Well, how many songs do you know? Two. You know, they have a whole album. Right. right. So that's, that's who I am, though. Um, so I don't know if that I, messed up your...
1: your no, I your... love that. I, I love that. But I do, it, do, it does beg one... Another question, because you're, you know, being from the Bay Area, my hometown, shout out. Yeah, um, Bay Area. Have you ever been to Skywalker Ranch? I have just not. Just over the bridge. But I, I, I've had... I, let me throw that challenge out to you, because it is amazing.
2: Well, no, so with my time at Apple, I'm not going to mention who this is, but they ended up working at Skywalker Ranch, and I'm just like, oh! You mm-hmm, know, it's like, mm-hmm. how cool is that? It you is. know what I mean? And like, yes. someday I'd love to go there, and I think the great thing is... Um, My son and daughter are both huge Star Wars fans. I love that. And it's very fun to see it now through their eyes. Mm -hmm. And it was was really interesting. Um, My son was making a comparison to Marvel where when Iron Man died, I was like, because for me, I'm like, yeah, Iron Man died. And they were so sad because they're into Marvel. And my son's like, Mommy, it had to be the equivalent of Han Solo dying. And I said, wow, this 13-year-old, he's pretty smart. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right? But, you know, in that respect, um, yeah, I mean, I love, it's all story, right? Yeah. Storytelling.
1: Yeah. And I love the, the Joseph Campbell
2: mm-hmm.
1: hero's journey and that.
2: The hero's journey. Oh, love that.
1: Yeah. Um, so now what are you listening to? Oh
2: my God. I listen to a lot of podcasts actually. Yeah. Um, I, I listen to al- adult alternative Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it just depends on what I'm in the mood. I like staying up to date with what the kids are listening to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, it totally depends. I love jazz. I love blues. I love hip-hop. But it depends on my mood. Sure. So I think the tough thing is if you ask me right now to pile up my iPhone and be like, what's on your playlist? Mm-hmm. Um, in winter, I ski and I like to listen to something that's got some beat mm-hmm. and something that's pounding. But some days I might be like, I want to go old school. I want to put some Queen on, you mm-hmm. know. Do something different um so you know it's, it's hard to say i can't pinpoint like one artist that i'm like that's it because i'm an equal opportunist i love all music
1: right I, i'm with you on that and obviously your favorite podcast is ours so we won't even go there
0: <laughs> uh. thank you ursula for a great podcast to our listeners thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the a and a master circle podcast If you like what you heard, you can register to see Ursula at the 2020 ANA Media Conference in March. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and most podcast players. For more information on the ANA Master Circle, please visit ANA.net slash Master Circle.